0: When I was growing up and seeing the world around me, I realized who I wanted to be. Even though people have hurt me in the past, I didn't want to put that same energy into the world. I wanted to make, create a different energy. I wanted to help people.
1: In Alex's family, there were no boundaries between parent and child. Ever since she was a little girl, she took up the role as mother for her five younger brothers. The mental and emotional trauma from years of enmeshment only got worse once it became homeless.
0: I always had to be in charge. I always had to help and raise my brothers. I cleaned, I changed their diapers, I fed them, I clothed them. And we were homeless and living in our van. It really, really sucked and it sucked because We couldn't take showers. You don't have any way to keep up with your hygiene. So that's whenever my parents had to pull us out of school.
1: One day, Alex's parents were caught panhandling by the police and taken to jail. Soon, Child Protective Services were called to investigate the living conditions the children were residing in and determined it was best to place them in foster care. Alex and just three of her brothers then found themselves in a temporary group home separated from the rest of the family.
0: I was very torn and heartbroken and my emotions were just conquering me. And so that's whenever I had gotten more depressed and depressed and it led me to hurt myself. That day, they had um, arranged for me to be placed into a behavioral care hospital. I didn't know anybody there, and I wasn't comfortable with sharing how I felt with those people. But um, from when I returned, it seemed that we only had about two weeks to be at that placement. And from there, it we didn't know where we are going.
1: Welcome to Counting on Us, a podcast presented by ACH Child and Family Services, the show where we share the stories of people navigating life's challenges with ACH alongside them every step of the way. I'm Daniel Trevino. All Youth Want Connection. But when their support network deteriorates, they may not know how to develop a healthy relationship. Given their life experiences, youth in care are four times more likely to consider or attempt suicide due to feeling alone. Indeed, these young adults are not only coping with past trauma, but continue to face ongoing rejection and abandonment within the system, making it increasingly difficult for them to trust and allow others into their lives. After Alex returned from her hospital stay, her brothers were placed in various foster homes while she found herself at ACH's Morris program. With the change came further uncertainty, stress, and anxiety.
0: When I first arrived, I felt very lost. I was afraid of being away from my brothers and also just afraid of what was going to happen. I just had a lot of worries.
2: Not a lot of trust there, just because we were complete strangers. Um, So she was really closed off, didn't talk much. Honestly, she could go days without saying much at all. So it's like we were trying to engage and trying to um, make a connection, but we were just grasping at straws and she's like, nope, that's not it. When Alex first arrived, Marcos Wiggins was the program
1: supervisor for ACH's Morris program. Morris provides a safe and nurturing home to a small group of six to eight teenagers starting from 14 years old, while they receive therapy, help in academic achievement, and support transitioning into independent living.
0: At that time, I was very, very, very closed off into myself. Like I didn't have a voice and, or like I didn't even know how to use it.
2: We like to call that in trauma-informed care world is kids not having that self-efficacy as in like they don't feel like if they did speak up, people would actually listen and hear them out. And that's a common thing with a lot of teenagers. It's like no one here is going to listen to me or, you know, all these adults, all they do is whatever they want to do and not actually listen to us kids.
0: I wanted to tell them like, hey, I'm not used to this, so you got to give me some time. You know, I had basically like trust issues and I just didn't know who I could turn to and I never really was able to open up growing up. Like with my parents, I, they didn't really learn anything about me until I reached 20. And so that was the struggle, just trying to get all these emotions out of me.
2: And the cool thing about Moore's is we're seeing these kids every day for months and months and months. So we really have to work hand in hand with the counselor on like what are y'all working at in, in session so we can keep that up. The the biggest things that they were working on then was her speaking up for herself. We would kind of role play difficult conversations for for Alex whether it was communicating with the teacher, um, with kids in the um, group home.
0: Those exercises helped me because they were kind of like sentence forming for me. They basically were like an instruction to get me to go to where I can lead myself to be able to open up.
1: While Alex continued working on her therapeutic goals, she also enrolled back into a local high school near the Moores home. The obstacles that she would face in order to graduate at times felt insurmountable.
0: You know, my parents had always told me, you know, school is important and I took that very seriously. I always try to make sure I had good grades, but my past with being homeless had definitely brought the education back. And it was just overwhelming because like, I had to try to do a lot of catching up and that was the hardest part.
2: You know, sometimes she'd go to counseling appointments and go over the devising of how long this is going to take and what courses you need to take. And she'd come home and be like, I don't know if I can do this. This, this is not this is not something I want to do. Um, not a lot of kids would raise their hand and say, yes, I'd like to graduate at 19 and a half years old, 20 years old.
0: They had always tried to ask me at the end of the day, whenever I came back from school, like, how are you? How are you feeling? And, you know... If there's anything you need, just tell us.
1: Morris Youth Care Specialist, Brianna Elder, recalls one night when several staff members teamed up to help Alex on a particularly challenging assignment.
3: It was like nine o'clock at night. The shift should be ending. Alex should be going to bed. Marco should have been gone like long ago. And we're all with her working on some kind of science experiment with a battery and a paperclip or something. And I just remember we all like took turns
0: trying like, oh, maybe if you do it this way or hold it this way. We're trying to figure out how we could get the electricity, I guess, to pass through so the light bulb can light. But it never light up. But it was just funny because they're trying so hard to help me to get this to work. And I think through those hard moments with, with the youth, like Alex It
3: builds the relationship, Alex knows that, you know, even though it's something small like homework help, I had four staff who were all with me, who cared enough about me to care how I'm gonna do in my science class. and I think that's something that a lot of our kids haven't had. It
0: definitely gave me insight because, you know, attention was never something I received growing up. I just didn't know how good of a feeling it brought to me that there's these people that actually care about me and they want to help me.
1: After many more late nights doing homework, all of Alex's hard work and determination pushed her over the finish line and it was time to graduate.
0: <laughs> I remember it because everybody was being rowdy that day and they're like, come on, get ready, we have to go, we have to get to Alex graduation.
1: Everyone at the Morris house. Yeah,
0: that was living there at the moment. So celebrate my graduation, of course, was Morris staff and the kids and my parents.
1: And what was it like to have your parents there to see you graduate?
0: It was really, really good. It was overwhelming, like I had so many emotions in me, but most of it, importantly, I was proud of myself because I, I, I'm. my parents didn't graduate school. My dad, he had to start working since he was like seven years old. So that's as far as he only had elementary education. And my mom, she became a mom early on. So they were very proud of me to see me go on and graduate and me being the first graduate of the family. So that just really, it made me felt proud for them and for me and what I was able to accomplish.
1: Following graduation, Alex continued staying in the Morris program a while longer. She got her first job, learned new life skills, and she started to build deep connections with Morris staff and clients, including becoming best friends with her roommate.
0: Yes, we actually connected the first time I met her. Me and her, we had always been so close and we shared things with each other. We knew about, we knew everything about each other. But when the rift happened and we fell apart and we weren't friends anymore, I felt betrayed and sad and lonely all over again. And that had caused me to harm myself again.
1: We'll be right back. Hi, it's Dr. Wayne Carson from ACH Child and Family Services. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Here at ACH, we know that the community is counting on us to get it right. So, for over 100 years, ACH has remained true to our mission of protecting children and preserving families. Follow us on social media or visit our website, achservices.org, to learn more about what we do how to get involved, or if you'd like to support us. Now, back to the show. Alex's relationship with her best friend was crumbling. Having just come from a place where she felt so alone, losing her closest confidant caused Alex to fall back into the old pattern of harming herself, threatening all of the progress she had made up until that point.
0: So... When the friendship had fallen through and I was at my lowest point, I knew where this was going already. And so that's when I had came to staff and told them like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. And I think the right option for me to do is to be put into the um, behavioral care hospital.
1: I know by that point you had been practicing how to communicate your needs with more staff, but. Was it still difficult for you sharing how you were feeling?
0: At first, it was just like normal, like starting a conversation with somebody. But then that's whenever I realized and I was like, oh my God, I'm actually telling them how I'm feeling? Wow. In the past, if I had experienced the situation without the tools that I was given, I would definitely be a mess.
1: When you were in the hospital, did you stay in contact with anyone from ACH?
0: Yes, I remember um, like this one time me and the staff, her name is Caitlin, she had come and she had played cards with me and that had definitely made me feel better because it was like, even though I'm in this situation, I'm in the hospital again, it felt like I wasn't alone through it.
3: I wanted to make it a point that one she's not forgotten, And I know, man, just any child who enters the system, there is some lack of care that has occurred in their life. And I never wanted while she was in our care for her to feel that way. So I wanted her to see that even in the hard and even in a decision that was tough, her people will show up.
1: At that time, Caitlin Smith was a youth care specialist at Morris. Later, she switched over to ACH's behavioral care program. Every day, Caitlin works with clients who struggle with mental health, and so she understands very well the fortitude it takes for clients to admit they need help.
3: Going into it, she knew, hey, if, if I'm admitted, I will be there seven to ten days. If I'm admitted, I will have to be um, woken up in the middle of the night, um, assessed for meds, all these things that are not fun. But gosh, for a client to identify they need help. Wow. That um, just is a lot of strength and self-awareness. There's not many 19-year-olds who would say, hey, I think I need help beyond what I'm getting.
0: It definitely helped to have the staff there telling me, oh, you're, you're doing this. And I always kind of disliked it when people told me, you're strong, because I never felt like I was strong. But looking back on that now, especially everything that I've been through, all the trauma, all everything that I've been through, I can actually take those words into my mind and believe it now because I'm still here and I'm still alive and I'm still going no matter what. What I learned from that was that I was definitely becoming this new person, especially this new person that I thought I'd never become.
1: Eventually, Alex would stabilize her mental health and return to the Morris home. It wasn't long before she finally moved into ACH's Life Project, which is a transitional living program for young adults aging out of the foster care system. Once there, 18 to 21-year-olds receive guidance as they navigate the challenges that come from becoming independent adults. For Alex, the experience of purchasing her first car proved to be a lesson in boundaries.
0: I had the money for the car, and I paid for the car, but I didn't get the car. He had told me that I needed to put the money through the gift cards, so it was a scam.
1: Did you tell the Life Mentors about the car ad before you started to pursue it?
0: Yes, they were saying, they were like, just be very, very careful, you know, ask them for this type of information, like the VIN and everything. And I guess I was just, I let, I let my excitement get ahead of me and I just like, no, no, this is, this is legit. And I wanted to believe it and I did believe it.
1: Cassie Morgan, Life Project Mentor, explains the approach staff take when coaching young adults through difficult real world decisions.
4: So the process that we take as a staff perspective is that we can't ever stop a client from making a decision. Um, on their own. That's a huge part of them learning to be independent. And so we don't tell them how to spend their money or how to save it. We just encourage good decision making and kind of show them what that looks like. So our first approach was just to listen and to hear why she thought it was a good idea. And then we would kind of guide the conversation to talk about, okay, what do you notice about this that might be a a little bit strange? And Alex, with her compassionate side, definitely only could hear from the seller of the car that they were in need, they were in trouble, they were hurting. And so that situation pulled on her heartstrings what moved me is because they,
0: you know, told me that it belonged to their son who passed away. And they had told me that it was like um, like an emotional burden on them to keep the car. And I felt bad for them because I didn't want them to feel like they had to hold on to the car anymore and that it would be in great hands. So
4: Alex had a lot to learn in that area of boundaries and giving giving of herself or her time or her money. And being so young and coming from the background that she did, that was obviously going to be a long life lesson. Um, So kind of coaching Alex in pitfalls, really, to avoid or red flags to notice when somebody maybe doesn't have our best interest at heart.
0: I feel like my background did definitely play a part in this. It's always been about other people for me. I just want to give so much. I want to help so much in any way that I can. What's changed now is that um, I was able to set that boundary, and I'm able to vocalize why I have to set this boundary, and I'm not stressed as much.
1: Alex did end up purchasing her first car, And by the time her stay at the Life Project was over, Alex had saved enough money for an emergency fund and a new apartment. Although her greatest achievement was learning how to balance helping others with prioritizing her own needs. It was with this newfound confidence that Alex started to make a real impact on the lives of others, including here on the campus of ACH Child and Family Services.
0: I remember Cassie talking to me and we had basically, were just coming up with ideas on what should we do during the pandemic. And you know, they thought about the garden over there and how it's been abandoned and no one really attends to it. And we were
4: sad to see it like that. So we wanted to change it. So the Sprouts Club uh, did a lot of garden work with the Wichita campus garden, which was just a pile of sticks and mud and dirt and Alex came in and really inspired her peers to pull all that out and turn it into something absolutely beautiful
0: even though there were sometimes where people would complain or whatever we eventually were able to like have moments where we were laughing and we were actually having fun and together doing this together it felt good because You know, being able to get other people to do it with you is more better because you're like, oh, you caused an action and turn Sprouts around and actually have, you know, something out there forming a life and just people like appreciating it and know that the kids from here actually did this, you know, something to be proud of.
1: Why is that important? that people see what the youth here on campus are creating.
0: It's important because I want them to know that, you know, even though maybe sometimes we just have a lot going on in our lives, that, you know, we still wanna be able to reach out and let people know that, hey, we're here, even though we're not like two-year-olds or something, we're still here and we're trying to make a change.
1: Alex, what advice would you give to someone who currently finds themselves in a similar situation as you did a few years ago?
0: You're not alone. There's definitely been people that have been through the same thing that you've been through. And even though it seems like you want to give up so, so bad, because I know that I've been there too many times. But it's like... You can't let this life hurt you and continue to keep on hurting you and just give up. You have to keep on going. And so for anyone that's in the same spot that I've been through, just want you to know that even if you may not know me, you're just hearing my voice. I care about you and I can can just hope that maybe from just hearing me and what I've been through that you would take a small step or two and be able to help yourself, just like I'm doing.
1: Thank you, Alex, for sharing your story of resilience. If you feel inspired and would like to support ACH in its mission to protect children and preserve families, then you can donate now at achservices.org or you can find the link in the show notes also if you like this episode please share it with a friend follow us or write a review it makes a huge difference counting on us is a podcast presented by ach child and family services written edited and produced by daniel trevino special thanks to ach staff marcos wiggins brianna elder caitlin smith and cassie morgan mixing by panoramic sound thanks for listening